Live from Nashville, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Magnificent Seven, good morning from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, our co-host, Bobby Bell. Good morning, Miss Bell. How are you? I'm great. I think that was fabulous to open with that great piece of music. We it, I, There's just nothing like great movie and fun TV theme song, Western theme song music, is there? There, there <laughs> isn't. And I am such a fan of the Westerns, and I actually saw that this week, and that's the reason that we're playing that this morning. Mm-hmm. It was just like, wow, mm-hmm. that is so much fun. That is so much fun. Hey, I want to wish some friends of ours a happy birthday today. Uh, Mr. Dave Martin mm-hmm. is having a birthday. Yes. Mr. William Buffalo Bill Boycott is having a birthday. And uh, my good friend, veterinarian in Lexington, Kentucky, Mr. Rick Redden, is having a birthday today. So we wish all of these guys a very, very happy birthday. And uh, gosh, it won't be too long before we'll be celebrating this country's birthday, will it? July the 4th. I know. We're just uh, about a month from now. (laughs) A little less than. Bobby, (laughs) does it seem... What's today? Today's the third. Yeah, does it seem like this should be the sixth month of 2021? I mean, has this year not gone by? It's uh, It has just absolutely flown. And, you know, we look back to this time a year ago, and um, it's sort of hard to believe that already a year has gone past, you know, since this whole, we've had a COVID? year, you know, a year yeah. since, yeah. Um, 
you know, I had, I had a interest, yeah, I had an interesting conversation with a friend yesterday I hadn't spoken to for about 45 years. And he said, uh, you know, you never want to waste a crisis moment. And I, and he talked about some of the things that he had gotten done and accomplished in 2020. And I thought, you know, we're going to talk to Dan McCourse in a few moments who just released a new CD. I think about a lot of the things that we're seeing, um, Gary coming out our way in terms of music and, and that people really took advantage of the so-called sort of downtime of 2020. Yeah. And we're sort of seeing the fruits of that now. I think it's just real interesting, I guess. <laughs> well, it is. And, uh, and there's great music that's been written. And as you have talked about great books that are being written and, and a lot of great stuff that's yeah. happening, but we have a lot of great stuff getting ready to happen for this first hour today on the Campfire Cafe. And as you mentioned, Dan McPherson is our guest, and we're going to be talking with him in just a minute. But let's listen to a great song from his newest CD, Me and Less. And this is one called Welcome to Wickenburg. When we come back, we'll be talking today with Dan McCorson on the Campfire Cafe. I rolled into Arizona from my home way back east. I was looking for a rodeo, maybe ride a humpback beast. I climbed up Highway 60, something in me stirred. When I saw the sign ahead, it said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Well, I heard they got some jackpots big enough to blow your mind. All you gotta do is make it through one good eight-second ride. I found a little motel at Frontier Street and Third, and the sign at the desk said, "Welcome to Wickenburg." My money said that she could plainly see. I wasn't from around here, but then she kind of purred. Said, good luck, come back and see me, and welcome to Wickenburg. When I drew the rankest critter, that stock contractor had, the boys behind the fucking shoot said, man, that draw was bad. He'll jump out to the right. And then he'll spin back around When you think you're setting pretty He'll put you on the ground Well, I bust off and I was hung up And I fell into the well He walked the length of me And he tore me all to well He turned my face into a plow And as I swallowed dirt the clown who picked me up said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Yeah, welcome to Wickenburg. Well, it was fairly obvious. I wouldn't make 
that little gal I met, but she just turned away. I tried to make her smile, but I couldn't, because it hurt. When I passed the next rider, I said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Yeah, welcome to Wickenburg. Welcome back to the award-winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We've just heard Welcome to Wickenburg, performed by today's featured guest, Dan McCorson, a co-write with Les Buffum from his new album, Me and Les. Dan McCorson grew up in Colorado and began playing Western swing and country music soon after college, where he and a couple of new friends formed his first band, Dusty Drapes and the Dusters. Known for surefire country music and Western swing, the Dusters were soon touring, headlining packed shows, and opening for the likes of Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, Flat and Scruggs, and Linda Ronstadt. Discovered by Chris Hillman of The Birds and the Flying Burrito Brothers, Dan left the Dusters and was signed to MCA Records. Dan's trail finally led him to Nashville, where he lived for 20 years writing and recording with some of the finest writers and musicians in country music. Today, Dan makes his home in Arizona, writing songs and performing as a solo artist. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, a skilled and soulful singer who can roam from a classic cowboy song to one of his own creation with skill and ease. Welcome, Dan McCorrison. Hey, Dan. Hey there, Bobby. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. (laughs) Good. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good to have you with us again today. Excited to be on the Campfire Cafe. Well, (laughs) you know, it's like time just goes by so quickly. And I I realized today that it had been two years since you'd been on the show. And it's like, man, this just shouldn't have been. Should not have been. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it took me that long to come out with a new album. So (laughs) that might be one. But, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. Hey, yeah. we were talking about COVID a little bit ago. And uh, so what have you been doing during this pandemic and downtime? Well, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for mentioning that that was the theme song to the Magnificent Seven because I was racking my brain trying to remember where that came from. <laughs> that is an iconic piece of uh, music. It's mm-hmm. so great. Uh, it is. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, you know what happened to me uh, with this COVID lockdown was um, I wanted to make an album. Uh, it was I was overdue, and I was all scheduled to go to Nashville because typically I try to do everything I can in Nashville because that's right. where the great players are. And, and my producer Scott Newbert lives there, and he has his his uh, his studio there. And and so I had all I had been planning. I had a trip all planned, and I was ready to go. And then COVID was so bad at that time, uh, and even like like traveling was a nightmare. The right. truck stops were pushed shut shut down. You couldn't get a restaurant. And uh, so I just called my producer. I said, uh, Scott, I said, you know, I don't I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And he said, Oh, good. <laughs> I think he was. He was he was scared of me coming from Arizona and bringing bringing COVID. Bringing with something me. with you? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Not really, but I I think he was a little relieved because it's so weird. It was so weird at that time, and yeah. uh, uh, 
So what I did was I, I set up my home studio for the first time and got the, got the software, and, and uh, I already had some of the equipment I needed, good microphones and playback speakers and that kind of stuff. But I sat, so I just set to work, and I did all of my uh, guitar parts and my vocals right there in the studio in my little home studio and and uh, one by one it took me a while it was a learning curve to get to get used to the 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 program it was kind of complicated but yeah. uh, I got it going and uh and sent it all off to Scott you know one by one and he assembled it all and then he went to work out there he brought in a great drummer um and uh, and a great bass player the drummer was a, a guy named Steve Holland and he put he played on the tracks that needed drums and then he sent it over to and and again this is uh, these days you know like you were saying it's a different world everybody's working out of their home uh, and that's yeah. been, that's been a trend for a while now but uh, so he just emails the tracks over to the bass player and he put his parts on and emailed them back and and uh, same thing with the fiddle player and uh, uh, so anyway yeah that's the way it went it but it was all a result of being I'm so glad that I was locked away for all that time. Cause I probably wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have gotten my studio mm-hmm. going and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's exciting for me to have it. Well, as I recall, when you were in Nashville, part of the time you were in the construction business. And one of the things that you did was construct studios. So it made sense yeah. that you yeah. set your own up, you know? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I built eight recording <laughs> studios while I was there. And uh, well, most of uh, all, but let's see, two of them were, uh, were standalone, uh, buildings that I, uh, and one was uh, actually, uh, John Carter cash actually contacted me and I was the contractor for the cash cabin studio mm-hmm. out there. Really? Oh, oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, so I, that, I can't well, tell you. Real. Yeah. I can't tell you how many, well, his wife has been on yes. the show several times and records, of yes. course she records there, you know, and Loretta records there. Right? So, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. 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 That is yeah. pretty cool. John Carter and I designed it and, and I built it. And and uh, Johnny came out to the job one day and I got to shake his hand and talk to him. It was, uh-huh. Now that was a thrill, honestly. I, um, you know, I've, met a, I've had a privilege of meeting quite a few famous people in my life, but that was, I think, the pinnacle, really. It was just so great. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he and and June were pretty special people, and uh, and I they're still missed. You know, they're still missed. But um, yes, you know, yeah. yeah, good good friend of Johnny Western, and and of course he played with mm-hmm. Johnny Cash for I think forty years or something. So anyway, yeah, yeah. you have produced a beautiful piece of music here and uh and again it's just fascinating to me i mean at one time everybody would come into a studio and record together and now it's you you can be wherever and just send in your parts and somebody mixes it and puts it all together and magic happens and uh yeah this is another great song from the cd it's called the dust of los angeles Tell us a little bit about right. this song that you wrote. Yeah, you know, I, I lived in L.A. Uh, when I, I when I got my record deal uh, with MCA, Chris Hillman uh, uh, talked, you know, had me come out to L.A. and, and uh, my wife and I packed up and went out there thinking we were going to stay for one year. 
and we ended up staying for 15. But uh, wow. uh, during that during that time in L.A., um, one day I was walking out of a I think it was Kings Western where a store that sells Western clothes in the Valley. And mm-hmm. I was with a buddy of mine well. and, and I looked at, <laughs> do you? It, it was a great store. Yeah. And I, 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 it I was. just bought myself it was. a new hat. And uh, I, is it still there? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, no, I but, don't uh, believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, and I said, I, I remarked to my friend, I don't know, for some reason I looked at the street and I, I thought, you know, this could be in New Mexico or, or or Arizona or someplace, just that little block. And I said, well, you know, this was originally, this was a Western town. And yeah. he looked at me like I was insane, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, you know, it, Los Angeles has Western roots. It was a Western town at one time. And and uh, I thought, yeah, I want to write a song about that. And so that was where this, the idea came from. It took me forever to finally get around to writing it. Last summer, uh, a friend of mine uh, lent me a cabin in Colorado for a couple of weeks to or, uh, to do some songwriting. And I, I went up there and set about writing that one. I wrote that one and me and Les, actually, in a week. And um, that was my goal, and I got her done. So that, was, that song was uh, uh, a fun project for me. I really enjoyed writing it. Well, it's a great song, and we're going to play that right now for our worldwide audience. It's The Dust of Los Angeles. Dan McCorson is from the new CD, Me and Less. The Chumash Indians greeted the Spanish explorer. The missions were built And the Padres threw open the doors Battles were fought For the land at the water's edge And cowboys rode in the dust Of Los Angeles The gold rush brought cattle Vaqueros rode for the brands Soon came the railroads and people From far distant lands The silver screen called out for stories From out of the west And cowboys rode in the dust Los Angeles The steel and the asphalt And buildings that reach to the sky Spread out for miles and miles And silence the cry Of the land that is buried But still holds the heart of the West And the cowboys who rode in the dust of Los Angeles.
getting away Step in the corral You can still catch that feeling today Of our carols and drifters and stuntmen And stars at their best The cowboys who rode in the dust of Los Angeles The steel in the asphalt and buildings that reach to the sky And the cowboys who rode in the dust of Los Angeles. The land that is buried still holds the heart of the West. And the cowboys who rode in the dust of Los Angeles. Today from Dan McCorson's latest CD, Me and Left, that was the dust of Los Angeles. And Dan, I was was just thinking. We talked a little bit about the fact, uh, Bobby, in her introduction, in her introduction, about the fact that you're born in Colorado. You were born in Denver, and then later on moved to North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and then back to Colorado. And one of the things that yeah, happened. Think- as you transferred around to these different places, is that there's been a lot of different musical influences for you, haven't there? Oh, there really have. You know, I, I was uh, I was hooked on music early on in Denver. Uh, as a young teenager, I started hanging out at a, at a place called the Denver Folklore Center, and uh, and I, I just got uh, you know really in, fell in love with that whole that whole folk music thing with the, especially the, uh, the old original guys like Mississippi, John Hurd and, and, uh, and the early uh, uh, bluegrass and old timey music kind of stuff, you know? And yeah. then, uh, then when I got to North Carolina, uh, my gosh, I was able, I just got, uh, uh, I was able to just soak it up at the bluegrass festivals and, uh, uh, and all just, it was just everywhere, you know, especially the old time and bluegrass music was around there and and uh and, and there was a lot of good great country music i remember i went to a supermarket opening in our neighborhood one day and there was a fellow up the blind fellow up there playing piano and singing on a flatbed trailer and it was ronnie Millsap. oh <laughs> <Yeah>. wow <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> before he hit it big and yeah. uh, so it was just great uh to get to soak all that up yeah it really, really was great yeah. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And then, so when, you got, then when I went got, went back to color, you know, when I was in uh, when I was in North Carolina, uh, is where I discovered Western Swing. I was hanging around with a bluegrass band that I knew, and they had just discovered uh, a group called the Cherokee Cowboys, which was Ray Price's Ray Price. band. Yeah, and they had they had done an album of swing stuff that was just killer. I've never been able to find it since. I'm sure it's maybe available somewhere, but. Uh, and that hooked me on Western Swing. Then when I got out to Colorado, 
struck out for there to get back to my roots and start try to, trying to play some music with some folks. Uh, I introduced Western Swing to these uh, two guys, we, and we decided to, let's see if we can do this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, we <laughs> put that band, uh, Dusty Drapes and the Dusters, together. So where did, uh, and of course, going to Nashville, that's the country music capital of the world, but where did where did the Western music fit in and all of that? Well, I, uh, you know, of course, I, I, I really, once I got back to Colorado, I really kind of just was feeling like I was back home in my Western world, you know, and right. so it's always been a part of me. But, but then when I got to uh, Arizona, um, I was a fellow named Marvin Odell. You, I'm sure you know, know Marvin. We know um, Marvin. We do. We know him yeah, well. <laughs> asked me if I would uh, audition for this group he had called the Red Hot Rhythm Rustlers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I to play, uh, he needed a lead guitar player. The the fellow that had been playing lead, a great, great fellow and great guitar player, Tom Boyer, had moved back to Missouri. And uh, so I auditioned, and I, dang, if I didn't get the gig playing lead <laughs> for, those, for that group. And, <laughs> and uh, it was so great, and it was so fun to play with Marvin and the three girls, uh, the, uh, Audrey and Don and Gail, that were working with him at the time. And, right. and uh, mm-hmm. so we, we just went around. We did shows. I played with them. And he took me to Albuquerque to, uh, to the Western Music Association convention to, to, uh, to play with them there. And, that's, and I was just hooked. I mean, as soon as I got that there. That was it. Uh, wow. That was it. Yeah, I mean, I all I finally found my niche, my home. You know, it was it was like I, I just felt like I fit right in. This is what I've been looking for all these years, and uh, so it was it was great. Uh, that that well, that's yeah. a pretty cool story. That is a pretty cool story, and you do Marvin, a great I got job. To play with that band. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just get... with that band we played together for a couple more years, and it was it was really fun. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, well, it was a great yeah. it was a great group, and uh, but you you picked up a lot of uh, you know new music that you write yourself or write with Les Les Buffum or other folks, but you do some great covers as well. And uh, Jingle Jangle Jingle is one that you've done that yeah. we're going to play. How do you go How do you go about selecting the music for an album? You know, um, I'd like to. I'd love to have a good old swing song or two on an album, yeah. just because I love that stuff. And uh, I was looking for something off the beaten track, not a, not just another Bob Wills song, which are all great. Uh, right. But they've been done to death, sort of, by by swing groups. And I was just thinking, and all of a sudden that song popped into my head, and and uh, I thought, you know what? Let's let's try. Let's take a swing at that one. And, all right. Uh, learned it and. Uh, Sent it off to uh, now. Let me just mention. Um, I was. I need to mention this at some point. What a genius Scott Newbert is. His ears are probably burning right now. But um, <laughs> he, <laughs> Scott. You know. I mean. He. I, I, I played the the rhythm parts, and then he. We had upright bass and drums, but he played everything else on this album: the, the oh, electric wow. guitars, the baritone guitar, the steel guitar, the lead acoustic, dobro, mandolin, banjo, wow. and sang the background vocals. And, you know, to think about how he, for me, to think about how he planned, how he was going to have these instruments interact and then set about playing his parts 
to have it all work. I just, uh, I'm just, honestly, I'm really super impressed with the guy all the time, every time I listen to this thing. So, But he did a great job on that. And then he brought in a great fiddle player named Jason Roller uh, to play uh, some some killer fiddle on this thing. So anyway, that's it. Wow. Well, this is a great song, and so people in China that are listening now. By the way, Bobby, China is our fifth largest foreign audience for the last couple of weeks. How about that? Well, welcome, 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 welcome. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, but uh, people around the world will be whistling this song all day long, so let's take a listen to Jingle, Jangle, Jingle, Dan McCorson.
uh, one of um, a couple of songs, two or three songs that uh, Dan did not write, but obviously has a great love for. Um, Dan, welcome back to the show. This is so fun. Um, oh, thank I you. I'm having go- a ball. I want to just go back for a moment and make a comment about Justin Los Angeles. Um, when your CD first arrived, I immediately went into my player and, and uploaded to my iTunes library and uh, listened through. And Dust of Los Angeles literally, I don't want to say took my breath away, but stopped me from any multitasking I was doing at the moment. And I must have listened to that song four or five times through, just hitting the replay button at it's just fabulous. And having lived in the Los Angeles area, coming from New England to Los Angeles and living there over 20 years or more, you just nailed it. Um, I just felt like I was I'm back so in, my, in my West Coast hometown. <laughs> um, I'm so proud to hear that. The, uh, I really am. That really, that really means yeah. a lot because that song was, was I felt like it was, uh, it was important to me to write it somehow and uh it was on my mind for a, for a, a few actually a few years before i finally figured out what i was going to do and wrote it sat down and wrote it once i sat down to do it it only took me two days but it was uh yeah. it was a long time in the in the in the incubation period <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just you just nailed it the the, the uh, lyric about the hollywood hills and the uh, stunt writers and just all of that is like wow we even got that in you know as the song uh, unfolded um so but i do want to ask you another question i just had wanted to make a comment on that song um sure. so we love to know a little bit about like the guitars that you play um i oh. noticed on your home page you're playing a very cool sort of pictorial looking guitar and then looking at other pictures, it looks like maybe you have a couple of favorites. You want to just take a moment and tell us about your guitars that you play? Sure. Um, well, I have I have three uh, acoustic guitars that I use. Um, one is the is a, a beautiful old Martin D forty five. Excuse me, D forty one, which uh, was made in made in the early seventies, which was. Um, actually given to me by a friend, uh, a guy named Pat Coughlin, who uh, uh, heard me playing back uh, way back a long time ago. And, and uh, there's a little long story how, he, how he, I ended up, he ended up uh, being kind enough to give me that guitar, but he did. And uh, that was, that's been my main guitar. That's like my, my pride and joy guitar. I still use it on gigs, but um, it was starting to get beat up and, Hanging in the cymbals and mic stands and stuff, and I, I finally thought, you know, this oh. guitar. I literally fell down a flight of stairs with that guitar in one. Oh wow! Uh, oh in, oh my in, uh, God. I was in, I was in Bristol, uh, Virginia, playing at a little Opry, and uh, it was a converted movie theater that had uh, a stage, you know, and and then uh, upstairs there was a little narrow stairway that went up to upstairs, and all the performers were up there jamming. And they said, uh, Dan, you're on. And I, I went to the stairway, and I, my boot heel hooked on the top step, and I went tumbling down, oh. sort of oh. kind of oh. down on my butt, all the way down the oh. stairs. And that, and I thought, I need to retire this guitar <laughs> before I destroy it. It, it, it lived through the, uh, it lived through the adventure just fine, actually. But uh, um, so then I use, I use a, uh, an Eastman guitar. Actually, it's a, 
it's a J45 copy, and it's a, actually a really wonderful guitar. I use that quite a bit. And then the one that you saw with the artwork on it is a Martin. Mm-hmm. It's called a Cowboy Three guitar, and it's um, oh. uh, limited edition. A friend of mine had it. Uh, he let me take care of it for a winter, and I uh, I said, you got to let me buy this from you. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he did, so uh, I love it. It's a great guitar. Yeah, it's fun. It's 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 beautiful. I know the next piece Gary has queued up, I believe, is um, Joyce Woodson's. Um, we, yeah. we, you and I both, as well as Gary, uh, love Joyce Woodson, and um, you chose her. I if I hadn't seen the West, and you have such a yeah. wonderful way with this song. Do you want to tell us a little bit about why you cho- tell us a little? about why you chose whatever you'd yeah. like to what you why you chose it yeah, or, you know whatever to. i'd Give love us a to tell you story. about that because when we were living in nashville um a friend of mine there was a little coffee coffee house that was having music it was literally a coffee house that had a room upstairs um down in the hillsborough village area gary um, yeah trying to remember the name of the place but had a little room upstairs where they were having songwriter nights and and a friend of mine was doing it and uh uh, we went down to see her play. Well, on the on the bill was Joyce Woodson, whom I had never heard or met, and oh. Um, oh. and she <laughs> she did that song. If I hadn't seen the West, and my wife and I both just looked at each other and went, "Wow, what a great song!" <laughs> and it honestly, it really planted a seed in us that started growing about our, just our desire to get back to the West. And uh, I really kind of have to give her credit for for uh, motivating us to, to finally get out of there and get back where we belong. But um, uh, she, uh, she did a, she did that song and I just fell in love with it then. And then I got to hear her do it again at WMA, I think, or someplace. But mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. I just, I was excited about learning it and putting it on the album. Yeah. Well, it's a great song. And it's, if I hadn't seen the West from me and Les by Dan McCorson. A crimson red sunset Send the world through a shimmering dream If I hadn't heard the canyon Toey bird Sing a song for me Wide open spaces To fill me up Leave me feeling blessed I could have lived any place in the world If I hadn't seen the West There's a river that spills Through Sedona's hills Where the red rock looks over the green And above Santa Fe's hills of sage are the bluest skies I've ever seen. Canyons that echo, echo back to me. Say your wandering heart can rest. I could have lived 
and then end up traveling back to the West. It kind of gets in your blood, doesn't it? Oh, it just, uh, it really does. You know, I just missed it so much. I missed, I, I remember I, I would go hiking like at Radnor Lake, you know, probably been out yeah. there, I'm sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and I loved, loved going up there to hike and it was beautiful, but I'd get to the top of the hill and hoping to see that great big expansive view with the mountains in the distance. And it was never there. <laughs> it was trees. Yeah, it was trees. Yeah. yeah. More trees. I, more trees. It's beautiful more in yeah. yeah, more trees. I tell you, uh, but uh, anyway, I just I just missed the West. I missed the wide open spaces. I grew up in Denver, uh, all, and uh, the mountains were such a big part of my childhood and and uh, and really who I am. And so, uh, yeah, had to get back. So, how did you and John Chandler get to be good buddies? I know you play up at his place in uh, uh, Colorado quite often. How'd you meet John? Well, well, back when I had my my band, uh, uh, I was in that band. Uh, I shouldn't say my band; it was our band. But Dusty Drapes and the Dusters. I think, I think that's where I met him. I think he used to come and hear our band. Um, I really, honestly, don't remember. But I, there was a uh, years and years later when I was um, in Nashville, there was a uh, writers' night that was going to have John Chandler, uh, Junie Fisher, Michael Martin Murphy. And I don't remember who else, but uh, I went, I went to that. I'm embarrassed to say I it was probably somebody I know, but uh, I went to that show and I went up to introduce myself to John to tell him how, how great I thought he was. And he said, I know you. And, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, I know you, Dan. And, and so we just hit it off. And uh, he's, he's been a really good friend. I love playing uh, his little venue there in, outside of Denver in Nevada. Yeah, yeah it's, a, yeah, it's big fun. Yeah, and and of course, playing with Ernie Martinez is no fun at all. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My God, what a great musician! Uh, gosh, Super guy. well, it's but it, but it's yeah. interesting. So then you took us back to Nashville again, where you met John Chandler and Murph was playing, and Junie was playing. Of course, Junie lives in Franklin, and uh, yeah, it's just it. But she play, she plays primarily you know, west of the Mississippi. So it's it's just an interesting right. thing to me. So and now I'm dragging my wife yeah. back to Nashville, so that's kind of a cool deal. But anyway. Well, you know, it's it's really it's there's a lot to be said for being there. I mean it's it's a excuse me, I'm sorry about my dog. He's the male right. Stop it. That's all right, baby. Welcome to live radio. Yeah, welcome to live radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, the uh, there we go. Um, um, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt and lost my train of thought. But uh, well, Nashville that's right. has so much. There's so much, uh, so many gr- such great musicians there, and it's it's the hub. I mean, it's really the hub of the of the music, uh, country music, and the universe, isn't it? Really. So it's well, it is. I totally get being there. We had talked, I think we had talked before when you were on the show the last time. So many, so many of the artists that are in the West that come to Nashville just one time to record say, man, I'm right. coming back again because the musicians are great. It's, it's faster. It's quicker. It's less expensive by the time that you get in and out of a studio so quick. So I'm kind of yeah. proud of our yeah, Nashville usually guys. Does. Yeah, I'm kind oh, of proud of our Nashville me guys. Too. I'm yeah, spoiled. yeah. I'm spoiled, you know, I really am. Yeah. Uh, well, Scott would spoil yeah. you, wouldn't he? 
Scott would spoil you. Yo, We've oh got God. to get Scott this, is such uh, a we, tremendous musician. Yeah, well, it's pretty I'm amazing sorry. that he plays all those different instruments and then sings back up on this music too as well. So that's pretty stinking. Maybe we need it. Yeah. yeah, so maybe, maybe Dan, we need to have you back on the show and have you invite Scott to join us. That would be kind of fun. Well, we should do that for sure. That'd be fun. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. I've got to get to some more music yeah. cause, because our time is getting short. So um, I think go I'm going to go ahead and play a great song from the CD, Me and Les, called Riding Out to Meet the Day. You want to tell us about this song? I uh, was invited to play at the Durango Cowboy Gathering um, in, uh, I guess, 18. I can't remember. And uh, a couple of years ago. And I got there, and they gave me a little packet with my assignments for the next four days. And one of the things on it was was, uh, I was supposed to present the song I had written based on the poster for the event, which was a wonderful painting Mm -hmm. by a guy named um, Mm -hmm. Tim Cox of four guys oh. riding out at sunrise. Yeah. Fabulous painting. And that was that was the poster for the event. And we I had when I signed up to to send in my information to what I would be willing to do, I had checked a little box that said, I'll write a song based on that poster to present <laughs> along with everybody else. Uh on a on Sunday afternoon. This was on Thursday morning. And Oh uh, wow. And I went, Oh crap, I forgot I signed up to write that song. <laughs> so uh, I called up Les. <laughs> I called up Les. And I said, "Man, we we've got a couple of days here. Let's see what we can do." And, and he wrote some really great uh, verses and lines and sent them off to me. And I I took what he had and added some to it and put music to it. And uh, and we came up with this. And so we presented on on that Sunday afternoon at the art gallery. And Tim Cox was there, and uh, he loved it. And he wrote a really nice note on the bottom of a copy of the poster for me, which is now framed hanging in my office. Oh, that's great. And you know, Tim has been on the show before. So love. He He has on Saddle of America. Let's listen to this great song writing out to meet the day. It's Dan McCorson. Bacon and the beans Swallowed our last cup You could hear the cavy coming It's too dark to really see But that sun is starting up And the horses are a-milling In a handheld rope corral You call out for your mount The boss builds a big loop Throws a backhand hula head. Man, he always makes it count. Right now. To meet the day. Right now. To meet the day. Slow. I got a fight to hold him in. 
I guess like me he's a chance See what's up the road Man, there's something in the way Might be a mountain We've got a scale Could be a rough and a rocky trail No matter what It's an easier ride With all these good friends by my side Right now To meet the day such a fantastic guest today. Oh, I had a ball. I had well, to step back inside, Gary. Are you hearing me okay? The neighbors, I can uh, hear you okay. Uh, lawn men came and started running a chainsaw or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> well, as wild I said, out here in this, Arizona is, today. this is live radio and wild and woolly Arizona with the dogs <laughs> and the lawn guys and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, it has been so much fun. <laughs> so much fun having you on the show. I can remember doing a show one time, uh, Dan, and, and all of a sudden the long guys showed up at my house, and you could hear it coming in oh. through the walls. So it's like, never again, never again. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, yep. so tell our worldwide audience out there how they can get your music, and tell us how we can follow your tour schedule. And I'm sure it's opening back up now. So, and uh, tell us where you're going to be next. Okay, well, um, yes, you can uh, go to my website, danmccorrison.com, D-A-N-M-C-C-O-R-I-S-O-N. 
at uh, and you can order. Actually, I finally got myself. I had to get with it and finally set up a little store there, so you can buy the CDs right there on, at the store, and you can download MP3s also. So. Oh, that's great. That is great. Yeah. So are are you on yeah. any iTunes or Spotify or any of those kind of deals? You know, I am for my other albums. I haven't done a digital Not release this one on yet. this one yet. Okay. But I will okay. be doing that in the very very near future. Um, so I'm a little behind the curve on that, but that'll get going soon. And uh, uh, but my other music is Montana Moon is out there that way. Um, I'm telling you, so, uh, Montana Moon is fantastic. I was listening to that again this morning. And it was like, golly, so much great music that you produced. So oh, thank you. You oh, guys. Thank you so much. You guys out there listening need to go ahead and visit his website, danmccorson.com, and order the music directly from there. And uh, you might even ask him if he'd autograph something if he ships it out from there. So that'd be cool. I'll be more than happy to do that. Be more than happy. So, to yep. So where where are you touring? Where are you touring next? Well, I'm heading off to Colorado. I'm playing at a little RV resort uh, in Durango, outside of Durango. In a couple of weeks, and then uh, I think on the on the nineteenth, I don't have my calendar in front of me right now. And then the week after, Saturday after that, I'm playing at a uh, at a place called the uh, I think it's called the M Circle C Ranch in, okay. outside of uh, Colorado Springs um, on some little event. I'll be putting the details on my website. Uh, okay. So that's that's outside of Colorado Springs, and it's. Uh, about 30, 40 miles out of, uh, west of, of the Springs. And that's going to be at a and, – and Susie Knight will be on the show with me. Oh, great. Oh, great. 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 Well, you give Susie yeah. a hug for us. You, she's had a rough, I certainly she's had a rough year, and we just love her to death. So give her a hug from us to her. I know. So that's great. That yep. would be great. Well, you have been fantastic, yeah. and look forward to having you come back and we'll have to talk about having Scott on with you and maybe sometime or another we need to get Les on to come on with mm-hmm. you. Well, that'd, really. that'd, be, yep. that'd be a hoot. That'd be a hoot. We're going to close out the segment of the show with another great song from the CD, Me and Les. It's called Wyoming Dreaming and Dan McCorson, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. I had a ball, ball visiting with you guys. It's great. All right. Thank you, sir. Last night, I threw my bedroll down toward the ending of the day. In the badlands of Wyoming, as the stars came out to play and up over Powder Mountain A full moon dogged the sun And I thought I saw the silhouettes Of Mustangs on the run Wyoming dreaming Yeah. 
couldn't hold her if I tried. I still dream that we're together, riding side by my bedroll, I settled up and I was gone, and on the trail that I was riding, through that dusty, windy dawn, I saw the traces of hoofprints, and they took me back in time, to that wild Mustang herd, and the girl I wish was mine. Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with our good friend Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America and the new chairman of BCHA, Miss Sherry Copeland. Stay with us. There's a legend they tell in the mountains called Sierra Madre 
Where our carols still drive hungry herds The valleys below Once they saw a wild mustang So beautiful down in a canyon So they looked to the leader among the brave eagles Now Diego was tough, he was just leather and handsome And he rode like the wind and could break a horse on the range When he saw the wild mustang and spurred his horse down to the canyon All the cowboys knew they'd see Diego, a hero again. All the aging vaqueros in Mexico tell of a Mustang. Who couldn't be broken by any man living on earth. There's a trail of cowboys he beat buried deep in the desert. And the tale of the one left on no broken spur. Now the canyons are dangerous even for well-seasoned cowboys. And the Mustang knew all of the secrets wild horses can know. The vaqueros who followed him couldn't have cornered the Mustang. Without the wisdom and horsemanship of Diego With his lasso in hand and the Mustang backed into a corner Diego threw straight for the head and then pulled the rope tight But the Mustang was strong and Diego was torn from the saddle Dragged through the dust from the canyon And then out of sight All the aging vaqueros in Mexico Tell of a Mustang Who couldn't be broken By any man living on There's a trail of cowboys He beat buried deep in the desert And the tale of the one who left home with no broken spurs Through the rocks and the poisonous chola Diego was broken But he dug in his heels till the spur broke And he came to rest Then he jumped on the Mustang And held through the bucking and bite Neither Mustang or man would give in this fight to the dead. The Vaquero searched canyon and mountain for Mustang and rider. All the footprints led deep in the desert and faded away. But they found that old spur and a few drops of blood in the canyon. 
Where the Mustang and Rider are out there No one can say All the aging vaqueros in Mexico Tell of a Mustang Who couldn't be broken By any man living on earth There's a trail of cowboys Deep, buried deep in the desert And the tale of the one left on No broken spurs And the tale of the one left only No broken Mr. Ryan Murphy, Diego, and the Broken Spur. And welcome back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and our co-host, Bobby Bell, joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And if it's the first Thursday of the month, it's time to welcome back our good friend, Randy Rasmussen, with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Hey, Randy. Hello, Gary. Hi, Bobby. Glad to be back. <laughs> Hi, Randy. <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wondered if you had left or not. Hey, Randy, how are you doing? <laughs> doing wonderfully here in Western Oregon. It's looking like real summer out here. Well, it's starting to feel like it out here as well. So I think 90 today, and I uh, didn't talk about that with Bobby, but but we're glad wow. to have you back, and you have a, a Exciting new guest to introduce us to. So would you like to go ahead and do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to introduce uh, Madam Chairman Sherry Copeland of the Backcountry Horsemen of America, my boss. Um, Sherry has been a lifelong equestrian trail user. She's actually part of a second generation of uh, powerhouse family in Missouri of trail advocates. And she's held all levels of leadership within her state backcountry horsemen in Missouri and at the National Backcountry Horsemen of America. Most recently, our served as our vice chair for several years. Um, Sherry is really innovative and big into partnerships and really focused on the growth of the organization and our mission to keep trails open uh, for all. So I'm really honored and excited to introduce Sherry Copeland to you both. Hey, Sherry. Hi, thank you, Randy. That was a, a, a rounding uh, introduction there. That's going to be uh, hard to live up to, but I'm, I'm very glad to be here to represent Backcountry Horsemen of America and to participate with uh, Gary and Bobby and um, just excited to be here. Well, first of all, let me say congratulations on being the new chairman. Or chairperson, which which way should we say that? Chairman, chairwoman, chairperson, which which is appropriate? I, I answer to about anything, but chairman is um, what our governing document stated back when we were um, uh, founded. So that that's what I choose to uh, answer to is chairman. <laughs> okay, all right. 
right. And for the rest of the show, it'll just be Sherry. So that'll be okay. That'll be all right. <laughs> that, that is perfectly fine and preferred. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, tell us tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Backcountry Horsemen of America to begin with. Certainly. As, as Randy mentioned, I am second generation Backcountry Horsemen of America. Uh, my parents were founding members of Backcountry Horsemen of Missouri uh, here wow. in uh, about year 2000. So um, I grew up. Um, in an equestrian family, and that's how we spent our um, free time was uh, riding trails, and so it, it was just a natural fit, and when it came that, you know, our trails became endangered, and we knew that they were worth fighting for, so that future generations have that same opportunities, um, because families that play together stay together, and right. we felt it was very important to get involved in keeping those trails open for all to enjoy on our public lands. Well, that's that is true. And uh and um Bobby Jean there was a song that Don Anita had done called What Was It? There'd be if more people rode horses, there'd be fewer divorces uh, or something. Fewer divorces, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if more people rode horses, there'd be fewer divorces, and I, I think I've always thought that was a great song. But uh, more families would stay together <laughs> if more people get out on the trails together, wouldn't they, Sherry? That's absolutely correct, and that's what we want to ensure for our future generations, um, keeping yeah. that access there and uh, providing the education. You know, that that's a kind of our three um, – Legged stool is um, service, education, and advocacy. And once that uh, foundation is there, um, it can continue for the future generations. So that's what we're concentrating on is um, having it there, not only for equestrians, but for all public land users and providing that opportunity. So let, let's let, let's let you talk to us just a little bit about the importance of the trails across the United States, uh, both the local trails like we have back in Tennessee. I guess they're more local trails, and, and then the big wilderness trails like they have more out in the West. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of that. Certainly, um, yeah, that's that's the great diversity of backcountry horsemen of America is recognizing that that, you know, seven-mile trail in a state park in Virginia is just as important as the thousands of miles of trails, say, in the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana, and how we can come together with shared ideals, values, and uh, shared work ethics to maintain those trails so that it is available. Um, as, as we know, you know, across the United States, diversity is uh, paramount. Yeah. And we like to capitalize on that and show that even though we may be diverse, we do have a common denominator, and that is enjoying the public lands um, and there's a limited amount of that. And so anything we can do 
to facilitate the shared use and the education of those resources and how to maintain those is certainly going to be a plus for everyone. And it's through that common goal that we can come together and provide the education, the service, and the advocacy to keep those trails open and uh, that are so very important, certainly in this day and age, um, to have those opportunities for everyone. Well, and that's true. And, and uh, we've talked about the fact that there's a place for everybody with Backcountry Horsemen of America, uh, whether it's families or um, maybe some older timers. I'm not going to put you in the same category as me because I'm an old timer, but uh, from older timers to kids. And uh, we talked a little bit in the past about some of the educational programs that you have, some opportunities for the young people. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in the horse world is the fact that we need to get more young folks involved. Uh, in that. So, Sherry, talk to us a little bit about some of the programs that BCHA has available for the younger people, get them involved. Yes. Youth is our future. And it is uh, sometimes um, hard in this day and age to reach out to the young people, not only kids, you know, uh, 15 and under, but then also teenagers and the young adults. And so we have to provide those opportunities, um, number one, to get them outdoors. All right. And then number two, introduce them to, say, the trail system, um, and then make the access easy for them. And then we can start forming them into, you know, the um, uh, shared resources, how to maintain those. How, you know, how do you go out and enjoy those resources without leaving them disturbed? You know, how, how can you go out and then still leave it in pristine condition for others to follow and, and enjoy the same? So there's a lot of educational opportunities, and that's the great thing about Backcountry Horsemen of America. The states, we have Backcountry Horsemen units in 32 states, and, wow. and within those, States, there are chapters that work on the local level. They get down with the local groups. And when you can share the educational materials and programs that have been developed, um, it just makes for a great education architecture and geared toward all ages, but especially on how do we um, grab those young people and get them interested in the outdoors, not necessarily in the equestrian world to begin with, but just in the outdoors and being uh, able to enjoy those public resources. So that's what we, we do have um, affiliation with national educational programs. The Leave No Trace right. um, is a wonderful program. And we do have master stock trainers that um, can teach the awareness classes. And so there, there are a lot of not only national educational programs that we're affiliated with, but also local educational opportunities that are then shared across the different states. 
I have a I have a question if I could jump in jump in here for a moment. Hey, this is Bobby. Nice to meet you. Welcome. <laughs> um, Thank you, Bobby. You nice have to a, meet you. Yeah. The um organization has a terrific website and it's really easy to find. It's just the initials B C H A dot org. And I always like to um, spend some time there. Pretty much right when you land, there's a great map. When you said it's in, you're in 32 um, states, and there's a great map that shows all the different chapters. You can just, you know, browse, put your mouse over a little um, icon, and it'll tell you the name of that chapter. And I thought it was really interesting because certain parts of the country, we've got lots of chapters, it would appear, but then we have – Nobody in Texas, nobody in Oklahoma, nobody um, in some of the uh, New England areas. And so I was curious, are these states that don't really offer much in um, trails, or are these states that we need to be building some chapters? (laughs) Great question, Bobby. (laughs) And the, the simple answer is, Backcountry Horsemen of America is kind of the best-kept secret out there. Um, It's hard to get the word out. So that's why we so much appreciate um, Gary and providing us the opportunity to come on and talk about Backcountry Horsemen. But you're exactly right. Um, There is a place for everyone in Backcountry Horsemen, and we are always looking to expand in other states. Um, some of the states, it's as simple as identifying a, um, a leader um, because, yes, there is equestrian trail opportunities in all 50 states. Yeah. Some more than others. Um, you know, some of the states out west have a lot more public land, but um, it, is, it is important that, and we are continually wanting to expand into the states where we don't have current, currently have a backcountry horseman state organization. And we are working with the New England uh, states, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, yes. Um, but so far we have just not identified that particular um, few people to take mm-hmm. it and run. But that, that doesn't mean that you can't be part of backcountry horsemen of America. If you are in a state that does not have a state organization, you can join Backcountry Horsemen of America as an Mm at-large member. And (laughs) so we have identified in some of the states um, a few people, and we're working then to build those into uh, a working group that we hope eventually will then turn into a state organization. But, yes, go on to the website, bcha.org and uh, find uh, a location that's close to you. If there's not, contact the main office, and they can put you in touch with someone that can walk through the process so that you can become part of Backcountry Horsemen of America. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got some friends in all those states. We just may have to put you in touch with them. That might help keep <laughs> things long. <laughs> so that would be a that good thing. That would be wonderful. That would be a good thing. I want to take a real quick break. And uh, a good friend of ours up in New Mexico is Mr. R.W. Hampton. He's done a great song called Drifting Again. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Sherry 
and Randy and Bobby, and I'll be joining in as well on this episode of Saddle of America. Drifting again like an old tumbleweed Riding the wind with the dandelion seeds Someday I'll land but I don't know A hobo by the railroad track Drifting again Like an old tumbleweed Riding the wind With the dandelion seeds Someday I'll land But I don't know when Till then I'm drifting again with Randy Rasmussen and Sherry Copeland of Backcountry Horsemen of America. Um, let's see. Um, Sherry and Randy, you want to talk a little bit about how volunteers maybe come together to support the trails and, um, and how they're empowered to do so? Yeah, this is Randy. I'm, Sherry should really take, take a bulk of these things, but I just wanted to mention our strength is, as an organization across the 32 states and plus 200 chapters, you know, our strength is the individuals in those local chapters, the grassroots network that we have that gets all the work done 
on a volunteer basis to keep trails open for all. I mean, you can't start from a better place than that by just having so many thousands of committed individuals. And, and Sherry, you know, being the, the chair, is in charge of, of all of this now. Um, and she's got some very specific ideas about how you, you can kind of harness those grassroots and really create a movement, if you will, uh, and empowering people, uh, you know, to, to maintain trails and, and, you know, protect our public lands. Oh, okay. Yes. And, 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 and that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's really where um, the, the power lies within BCHA is the grassroots. Um, we refer to it as boots on the ground, where the work gets done. And, of course, it, it starts with um, just organization, um, like-minded people coming together with a shared interest. And whether that's a hobby or recreation or, you know, uh, outfitters, whatever the uh, purpose may be, it's putting those people together and then working towards the common goal. Um, of course, everything is, is around funding, and so it, it starts with advocating for the funding from the agencies in order to do the trail maintenance uh, and that type of thing. And that, that's where Backcountry Horsemen of America on a national level comes in. Um, we can advocate for those funds with Congress. And uh, Randy spends a lot of his time working at that level. Then once the funding is secured, we work with the local level to get those funds actually in place and on the ground so that the volunteers can go out and, you know, put gravel at, at the trailhead. And mm -hmm. um, that, that's really where the, the power lies, is the coming together in the small local groups to do the boots-on-the-ground work that support the entire trail system access to those trails for everyone. And I guess, I guess Sherry, that's kind of where the emphasis that BCHA, BCHA has on becoming better partners with different agencies uh, that you work with, government agencies like the Forest Service and the BLM and and uh, those types of agencies, as well as the trail user groups and the public. So talk a little bit about the agencies that you work with and how that funding comes together. And, and by the way, I, I think the number of hours that BCHA puts in on these trails equates to millions of dollars a year in, in free labor. But, uh, but how does it work with uh, different agencies that you're working with? Great question, because there is not only great diversity within BCHA, but great diversity within the agencies. And, and that's part of what BCHA does is with the U.S. Forest Service, uh, National Parks, uh, Bureau of Land Management, uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and uh, mm -hmm. U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Um, yeah. We, um, we, and each of their missions are also different. So part of that is understanding each agency's mission and then how we can partner with them 
to help fulfill that mission, all while gaining what we like to see is the access for the trails. And the diversity among the agencies is just as great as the diversity within BCHA. And understanding and working with each agency within their mission to accomplish the goals is a big part of what we do. And then forming um, the local partnerships, um, because it, it all can't be done on the Washington, D.C., uh, platform. It has to be down to, you know, the and then within the states, also it goes not only the national agencies, federal agencies, but state agencies. We have state parks, Department of Natural Resources, all the way down to county levels. Yeah. And understanding and help, helping navigate each of the agencies is also um, where the sharing within BCHA comes to be a huge benefit because what's working in one area will usually transfer to working and being successful in another area, whether it's on a national forest or on a state park. The same um, issues and processes can come into play, and sharing those with the volunteers of BCHA um, is really a leg up. When, when you've got some history in one area, it usually transforms into success in another area. So that, that's why it's so vitally important that we share best practices. And then also bringing in the other user groups, not just limiting it to equestrian users, but recognizing that partners, um, the bicyclists, um, the hikers, bird watchers, um, we're, we're all after the same experience and need the same resources to enjoy what our particular interest is. So yeah. recognizing not only the diversity, but the similarities um, is, is what can make each group successful. And working together, it just makes us stronger. Well, I think that's a strong, strong point to make. And um, uh, right now I'm out in Utah and in an area near the Rice Canyon where there's a world of hikers. And uh, Randy, I'm seeing a lot of those motorized bicycles that we talk about that are out and about. And um, so to be able to bring hiking groups in or ATV user groups in or others to help uh, kind of coordinate and work things together to keep the trails open is really important, isn't it? Well, the partnerships yeah. is key because we as equestrians are a, a small group, you know, numerically across the nation. And let me put an exclamation point on what Sherry just said about our work across the nation. A statistic, you know, our volunteers across the country for Backcountry Horsemen of America consistently volunteer their hours, you know, in the – Oh, over, you know, several hundred thousands of hours of volunteer labor that when you put a dollar figure on it, it amounts year after year to over, oh, $10 million in trail work each year from just Backcountry Horsemen of America members. That $10 million plus in trail work annually is huge. Um, and, and we do that on trails that are open to hikers, typically sometimes multi-use trails that include mountain biking and other uses. 
But you're right. It's those partnerships that we can only do so much, but we have to be in cooperative relationships with these other organizations. And there's some really neat things happening, including a national campaign here called, you know, Round Trail Respect and trying to reinstitute this ethos of we all have to get along on the trails. Everyone's experience is valid, but don't, you know, don't be, you know, self-centered and, and go out there and think that you're not going to, you know, uh, run over somebody. Um, there's a big national trail respect campaign going on that we'll hear more about in the future, I think, um, and hear it branded that we're doing in concert with all the national trail organizations from all those walks of life that Sherry mentioned. Um, it's that yeah. important because more people are enjoying public lands at, 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 you know, increasing rates now because of COVID. And that's a good thing. More people are getting outdoors. As Sherry said, we want to encourage but at the same time, we're getting crowded trails, and we have to find ways to, to better get along and educate those people who aren't seasoned trail users and understand uh, trail etiquette, like the trail, the, the yield triangle or other things. But the partnerships are critical in reaching out because we can only reach out to our members, but we have to include everybody, the bikers, the hikers, and everyone in that kind of educational campaign. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that Sherry just mentioned uh, a moment ago was the fact, and I had not thought about it, um, you know, I, I think more of about areas like the Bob Marshall or the the uh, national parks that are up in the east part of Tennessee. But uh, but talking about the fact that you work at a more local level with the with the uh, counties as well as and even cities. Uh, you know, Nashville's got a great place out in Percy Warner Park to get out and ride the trails. But if you have a storm. You've got trees and limbs down across those trails. Um, that's a great way for people to get involved with the Country Horsemen, Horsemen of America, even in uh, more urban areas, isn't it? You're absolutely correct. Um, you, you don't have to have a horse to be part of Backcountry Horsemen. All, all you have to have is the, the desire to want to enjoy the public lands. And, yeah. and be willing to um, put put your we say put our boots where our mouth is, and get out there and help maintain those. Um, yes, uh, and that that's something that I, I think people are surprised to find out that backcountry horsemen um, are are willing to go to non-equestrian areas and and help with trail maintenance. Um, and, and we like to um, have the reciprocity with non-equestrians coming to the equestrian trails and helping with maintenance also. Um, that's why, you know, within the Forest Service, um, you know, there's a certification program that you have to go through in order to operate a chainsaw within the yeah. National Forest. And yeah. so uh, Backcountry Horsemen, um, is, that's part of the education system within Backcountry Horsemen of America is getting uh, Sawyer certified so that they can go down and uh, take care of the trees that are across the trail. But what they also need is people to help just move limbs out of the way, um, hold a horse while someone is sawing. You know, so it, it's a, a great, great opportunity for anyone that wants to volunteer. Um, there, there is a place for you. Staying at the trailhead um, and, you know, having lunch or refreshments when the work party comes back. 
um, that there there is a place for everyone, and everyone can find a place uh, to contribute. That's right. Now, there you go, Bobby. Jim with his chili can head out to the trailhead. <laughs> Jim, Grim- well, we Jim makes great of, chili. We have a bunch of we have a bunch of chapters here in, in New Mexico, as Randy and, and we have talked about before. Yeah, it's a great it's a great way to be involved and meet new people and um, get outside and and uh, stretch those limbs, your limbs, <laughs> um, and you know, volunteers are just you know, there's just people don't really realize how valuable volunteers are both um, with the, what they're able to offer physically, but also just for friendship and, and morale and, and all. There's nothing like having a whole bunch of volunteers show up for something. It's it's a wonderful feeling. It is. It is. Well, BCHA is a great organization, and uh, and it works at the local level and the national level as well. And... Uh, do you get out and get to travel any to visit some of these different states and chapters as the chairman, Sherry? Is that something that you get to do or you stay so busy you don't get to do that? Um, I do from time to time, yes. Um, as I have come up in the leadership um, platform of BCHA, I have had the opportunity um, to visit several states and, and get the experience um that um why each area of the country is so passionate about their opportunities um you you will find this humorous i'm i'm from missouri um you know the show me states the missouri mule is our um animal and i actually went to washington state to take my first mule ride Oh, so <laughs> and, and uh, the, the BCHA members out there were were very proud of the fact that they were able to provide me with a mule for my first mule ride, and and it was there, beautiful. There you go. Uh, so, there you go. Yes, I I I I welcome those experiences, and um, hopefully we'll get to do more and more. Well, here is an invitation for you. We have a Rendezvous, Equestrian Legacy Radio's Rendezvous, taking place June the 17th through the 20th at the Circle E Guest Ranch here in Tennessee. And Middle Tennessee Backcountry Horsemen of America is going to be there and doing some uh, uh, outfitting demonstrations and taking part in that event. So your invitation is to come join us because we got people coming from Missouri and that's not too far and you can get in 120 miles of great trail riding out there. So the invitation is open to you. Come join your Middle Tennessee Backcountry Horseman chapter at Rendezvous 2021 in just a couple of weeks. So I know they would be thrilled to see their national chairman show up. Well, thank you for that invitation. They're a good group of people out there, and um, we'll see what the schedule will allow. There you go. There you go. You'll have a ball. You'll have a lot of fun. But anyway, I thank you so much for joining us today, and Randy, always good to have you on 
and uh, I've got to give Jim McGarvey a call. I haven't talked with him for a while. I need to check to see how he's doing. But always great to have you join us the first Thursday of the month for Saddle Up America and bring us great information, as you always do, about what Backcountry Horseman of America is doing and what a treat to have Sherry with us today. So thank you both. You Thank bet. you, Gary and Bobby. Us. You're Thank very you. welcome. So, Sherry, anytime you want to, you know, bump Randy and come join us, you're certainly welcome to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she, Thank you for that she invitation. <laughs> you're very, you're very welcome. Well, listen, thanks so much, and uh, check check org is their website. You can find a local chapter, or just get involved. Uh, with Backcountry Horsemen of America and be part of the solution, not the problem. We're going to take a quick break and listen to a great song from a good friend, Mr. Bobby Marquez, and we'll be back more with Bobby Bell in just a moment today on Saddle of America. Two-stepping in a honky-tonk in Beaumont And walk the most beautiful girl that I had ever seen in my whole life With a smile that was out of this world Right away I knew that she's different When I looked in her eyes I could see Everything on earth I've ever wanted And as we danced it slowly dawned on me She's not from Texas, she's from heaven. Lone Star Angel sent God above. She's not from Texas, she's from heaven. From the first hello, I was so in love. We held each other close while the band played We talked and laughed about all kinds of things The magic way we floated round the dance floor Made me sure she must be hiding wings I thanked the man upstairs who sent her to me Even though I knew it was alone Promised him that I'd take good care of her Till the day she had to go back home She's not from Texas, she's from heaven Lone Star Angel sent God above She's not from Texas, she's from heaven From the first hello, I was so in love Here we go. She's not from Texas. She's from heaven. Lone Star Angel sent God above. She's not from Texas. She's from heaven. From the first hello. I was so in love 
She's not from Texas. Yeah, Bobby Marquez. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's great to hear uh, his voice. Yeah, it is. It is. He's he's a nice guy. Um, great show today with with Dan McCorson. It's always fun to talk with Dan, and uh, look forward to having him back. And it's a great CD, me and Les. So be sure and order that. And then thank to have Randy Rasmussen join us every first Thursday of the month. And this time we got to meet their new chairman, Miss Sherry um, Copeland. And so that was a lot of fun visiting with them and finding out more about Backcountry Horseman America and sharing that with our worldwide audience. So tell us what's going on with Out West. Well, um, you know, Father's Day is around the corner. Barbecue season is here. Uh, lots of opportunities to get out in hot weather. So we have a lot of short sleeve shirts for men on our website. And um, we'd love to offer a coupon. Just use the word DAD, D-A-D, all capital letters, and we get 20% off any purchase of $100 or more on the website. And um, cool. take a look, especially at the men's. Think about dad right now, or the, just the men father's, in your life. <laughs> yeah, Father's Day is coming right up, isn't it? When is Father's Day? Do you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's. Let me see. I got the calendar here. It's the twentieth of June. Wow. And so that's... you know, a couple weeks away, but um, it's not too early to be thinking about it. No, and poor old dads like me, we just kind of get overlooked sometimes. So run out and visit the Out West shop and order something for dad and granddad and daddy-in-law and everybody else. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But again, a fun show today. Next week we have Olivia Harms that's going to be joining us. She has a brand new CD out. And uh, her mother is Joni Harms, a good friend and a great singer-songwriter herself. And we've had Olivia on in the past with Joni, but this will be her first time to be on the show by herself. So she's got a great new CD, and she's doing a lot of writing in Nashville and performing from Oregon all the way back to the middle part of the country. And uh, she'll be joining us, and then our good friend Robert Eversole will be joining us for Saddle Up America. So that's all coming up next week. do want to mention again, and I mentioned a little bit during the show, but Rendezvous East in Tennessee is coming up in just two weeks. And so uh, you can find out more about Rendezvous by visiting our website at equestrianlegacy.net. But that is three days of trail riding, three days of music, three days of shopping, and it is all to benefit Hope and Healing at Healing Glade. That is uh, an equine therapy program for soldiers with PTSD and the Mustang Heritage Foundation. They find homes for America's Mustangs, and there's a real need for that, particularly this year because of the drought conditions that are taking place in the West. There's very little pasture, and some of the water holes are already drying up. So these, these horses are going to be hurting. So 
they need to be adopted and they need good homes. And that's what Mustang Heritage Foundation does. So any final thoughts today, Miss Bobby? Um, I do have one. If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find an excuse. I like that. That's good. That is good. There are a whole lot of excuses out there, <laughs> I'm afraid. But anyway, well, thanks for joining us today on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe in Saddle Up America. And we're going to remind you, as we always do, that if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio. We're going to close out the show today with a great song from Miss Corinne Marie. I can't say it. Corinne Marie. It's called Queen of the Mountains, and we'll see you next week at equestrianlegacy.net. I was.